I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. It's Elena, and today I'm speaking to Judy Carl, the founder of Grandmothers for Reproductive Rights. This is part two of a program about two different organizations of American grandmothers forging a path to sanity and safety. You can find part one on Grandmothers Against Gun Violence at grandmothersonthemove.com. But now, let's turn to Grandmothers for Reproductive Rights. Welcome to Grandmothers on the Move, Judy. I wonder if you can start by telling us what was your inspiration for starting Grandmothers for Reproductive Rights? My primary inspiration came from Pathfinder International. I'm on the board and my father founded it. Traveled a good deal with Pathfinder and I mean, it's just absolutely part of my life. I realized that older women with Pathfinder projects were often the ones who were telling the younger women about birth control. Absolutely. And going around with, you know, little kits and, and uh, being a peer educator, really, but helping them find contraceptives that would work for them. Sometimes taking them to a clinic if that was available. I was impressed with these older women doing it. And that also said, yeah. wait a minute, there's something that grandmothers can do in this country. And I, you know, Because I had been also talking to a number of my friends and we were all angry about the increasing restrictions on access to birth control and contraception and reproductive health services and abortion, of course. And we met together and said, what are we going to do? The name Grandmothers for Reproductive Rights popped into my head one day when I was driving to go to a Pathfinder board meeting. I couldn't believe it that the acronym would be GER. <laughs> It's so perfect. I love it so much. Yeah. And I told some friends of mine and they laughed and we laughed and kind of left it, you know, but the idea would not let go of me. So in January of 2013, I sent an email to about 40 women telling them about the idea of forming an organization that was based on some somewhat, we remembered what it was like when abortion was illegal and access to contraception was very limited. Because that's when we grew up in the 50s since early 60s, we decided that we would become an, uh, both an educational and an advocacy group. And we designed yellow t-shirts to wear when we were out processing. And we've gotten attention. And it's just amazing. I mean, now we collaborate with Planned Parenthood and um, Maine Family Planning and ACLU. Wherever we can, we collaborate because we're volunteer and these other organizations have professional staff that can get the information that we need. And we have just stuck with it and having quite an impact. I started a Facebook page and have managed it for a long time. Now somebody else is doing it, but that has gotten people from all over the world, which also amazed us. But it's clear 
better that people relate to the idea of older women handing on some of their wisdom and their experience and remembering what it was like when we couldn't get contraception, that kind of thing. I have a question for you about that, which is, uh, and I was speaking to a, a wonderful woman, the woman who was one of the founders of Grandmothers Against Gun Violence. Yes. In Seattle. And I asked her the same question I'm going to ask you, which is, you know, you could have called yourself women for reproductive rights, older women for reproductive rights. There are any number of things that could have suggested or heralded the experience that you'd had yourselves as younger women and Uh why that was motivating you to take up this activism. But you chose grandmother and outside of the fantastic acronym, why was it important to make that statement? What a wonderful question. Um, And I think I would answer it in that we realized that we were elders. We also knew within ourselves that we were not on the shelf and sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> and right. we we wanted to have another well as one person said at our first meeting this is wonderful i have one more chance to do something to make the world a better place right and so it was the fact that there was sort of a disjunction in a way between women of our age past reproductive time in our life but still passionate about this cause and i think that catches people's attention but we feel it very strongly because we know what we're talking about we know what it was like absolutely some of us i mean we the first time we met we shared some stories that we had and there was more than one who knew one one was a college in college and a girl went away for the weekend and never came back because she died i myself had two stories which were very close to me one was my brother was in training as a doctor in the ni- in the 50s and he had two women die because of unsafe abortions and he still tells the story he knows they left children behind and it just it feels awful to even to talk about it but he does because he knows that we need to understand that the other story was my husband was a professor at Ohio State University and one Monday morning a young one of his graduate students came and said Dr. Carl I have to tell you what happened on Saturday night my girlfriend bled to death in our bed because she'd had an abortion good lord yeah and I couldn't let I mean those stories didn't let go of me let's put it that way I couldn't let go of them and they just sat with me and I also realized that my children my grandchildren were growing up and getting towards reproductive age and that I didn't want them to be denied of the services which I had finally been able to find in my life. So being the daughter of a doctor gave me a great advantage because he knew that who I could go to in the 50s when I was married. I wanted to have a prenatal exam and be ready for my wedding night. I was a virgin on my wedding night. I didn't want to get pregnant right away. I knew that I had another year of college and I wanted to at least postpone a year. And so I went for a premarital exam. And in those days, in Massachusetts, it was illegal to prescribe a contraceptive to an unmarried woman. Fortunately, my father knew this doctor who was willing to fit me for a diaphragm. And then he gave me, the doctor gave me a piece of paper and said, I want you to write this down. And he said, now, this is what you need to buy, telling me the, the diaphragm. And this is where you can buy it. But he did not write a prescription for me. I just took his directions. My father knew a doctor who would do that. So I was able to have contraception and save my children as I wanted to and that kind of thing. But so many women. I know another woman who was married on the exact same day I was. And she said, well, 10 months later, we had a baby. She lived in Connecticut where it was illegal to use contraception as a married couple. So we, you know, we have this collection of memories and we also have 
younger generations that we care about a lot. As you know, I mean, you were saying grandmothers just care a lot, and we cared a lot, and we do still. And we and now we're just, I mean, this misogyny that sh- is showing itself so strongly. Mm-hmm. I think it's offensive to almost any woman who thinks of herself as being a woman. <laughs> and we decided that you know, we were, there was a lot of energy going around the room because we were so angry. And we said, but we've got to do something positive. And so that's what we've been doing. And how long have you been together as a group? Uh, five years now. So um, we were really glad that we got started as early as we did because, you know, now it's it's a horrible situation. See, it's much worse. Restriction on funding for reproductive health services or one more law against abortion. It's absolutely appalling, and our federal government is also doing that kind of thing. So angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, outrage can be a powerful motivator. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and... I'm talking to so many grandmothers who are involved in activism around social justice issues and women's rights issues that are deeply meaningful and important. And one of the things I found so interesting is that not all of the women who are involved have always been activists, that uh, that some yeah. of the women who join groups, it's, it's sort of their first entree into activism is in their older years. And have you had that experience with women in your group? And what's your take on that? Well, I myself was not terribly active when I was raising my children. I was activist in a sense in that I was a very active member of La Leche League, which encouraged breastfeeding. In my day of having children, few women were breastfeeding. Um, so we had to advocate with hospitals and doctors and so forth, and we did. Then civil rights, that's what came next in my life, because that was so much of an issue in this country. But there are other women who were not activists particularly, but I think the increasing conservatism and volume of noise about conservatism in this country has roused up a lot of people, and especially the last election. So many people now who are doing two or three times as much activism as they'd ever done before. We just can't let our country go backwards. There are people working to make it go that way. Well, and women's bodies have always been the centerpiece of conservatism, and it does seem to be the battleground, really. I mean, we've been all living in a patriarchal system for so many generations that I honestly think that one of the reasons we're having so much controversy now is that women are really gaining power because they have access to birth control. They can control their fertility. So by being able to do that, they can move into the public world. And now we women are really threatening the power of the men who've been dominant for generations and they don't like it. Yes. So they, they're pushing back. The dominant power doesn't give up power easily. Quite right. So, and, that, and I think that's where we are now. I mean, look at the number of women who are running for election in this country this year because they're really stepping in. And I honestly think that the men in general, but mostly the conservative men, are worried. They're losing their power. I think it's awfully powerful for grandmothers and oh, yeah. women to come together and say, you know, you have no idea what it was like. Uh, and remind us all how precious it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you think that in this country, um, abortion became legal across the country in 1973, that's a lot of years and a generation plus so that the women who are activists now, I mean, you know, who would be of an age in their 20s and 30s, they don't know the world without access to, to contraception and abortion. And now they're they're really waking up. I will say that's what's exciting to me. 
Um, speaking of women becoming more radical, there's a wonderful quote from Gloria Steinem who talks about women being a group which becomes more radical with age. It's interesting to think about. Absolutely. I've been reading about the grandmother effect. And, oh! Yeah, and this wonderful anthropologist, uh, Dr. Hawks, who did deep research around why is it women live beyond their reproductive years when so many in all other species, except I think whales, uh, they don't. And she came up with the theory that one of the reasons that women live beyond their reproductive years and reproductive function, as it were, is because they play such a critical caretaking role. And actually, they're critical to the continuation of the species because they're keeping mm-hmm. Together. It does make sense. Does it? Because, as, yeah, yeah as, as you began at the beginning, you were talking about women in South Africa taking care of their grandchildren. Those children would not survive without the grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that people sometimes say about maternal mortality is that children whose mother die when they're under the age of five, they're more likely to die, the children as well as the mother. And they really depend on the grandmother to step in. That's right. How does the group feel and talk about that part of life where you've actually moved beyond reproductive rights, but you're still deeply engaged with the cause? You know, that's very interesting because I would say a lot of it has to do with how much we care for the future of our country in a way. The future of our grandchildren in particular, that certainly draws a lot of energy and attention. And I mean, one of the... One of the challenges for us, honestly, is that somebody says they're going to do a job and then, or something as a volunteer, and then their daughter has a baby, and so they're gone. <laughs> Take care right. of the daughter and the baby right. because that comes first. And you know, we all respect that. Obviously, a couple of years ago, my daughter needed a lot of help, and I just said, "I got to go," and I went out to Montana for a whole month um, because she needed help. So I think it's that pull. But then realizing that that's not all of our life and there's more that we could do to make the world a better place for our grandchildren. And a lot of us are looking to the future there and wanting, I mean, we feel bad about how the environment is being destroyed and how much civil conflict there is. But this is one place that we've lived with ourselves. And I think that's one reason why why women do care about reproductive rights. In a way, it doesn't have so much to do with whether we can reproduce It's more, I think, aligned also with respect for women, their bodies, their minds, their hearts. And so that kind of draws us together as well. And we, we look back and we think, oh, you know, where is the world going to compared to what it was, say, 20 years ago? And I think we all had hopes, many of us, for our children and grandchildren at that time. And now we really, some of us really struggle with saying, you know, what is this world going to be when our children are grown, our grandchildren are grown? I should say we also include other people as well because we get questions from grandfathers and younger people who are not yet grandparents. And we say, well, everybody is a grandchild of someone. They wouldn't be here otherwise. So that starts with a G, so you can bear with us. And they do. <laughs> I love that. In, uh, in the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign in Canada, they have developed a special category of grand others. And, oh, nice. And the grand yeah. others can be grandchildren. They can be women of grandmothering age who don't have grandchildren, or it can be grandfathers. It's, yeah. It's a cause that matters to everyone, and everyone can, has a role to play. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I also think that women have a more tendency to connect with other people, to want to connect, to get something done. And we all know how to do that because we have needed to do that over our lives. Sure. And and I think our society, at least here in this country, often um, our educational system teaches us to be an individual and uh, be independent. And yet I think that women are much more wired in the direction of interconnection. Do you find that there is a difference coming together as grandmothers, that it has a, a different feeling to it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's certainly different from operating alone. Um, we know that for example, if three of us go to an occasion, we will make an impression just by being there as a group of three. If one goes, it's one lone voice who could be written off as a crazy old lady. But if there's three of us, hmm, you got to consider what they're having to say. Right. <laughs> and have you found when you're speaking as a force of three or a force of many as grandmothers that it is changing the way grandmothers are seen? I, I spoke to one grandmother who was talking about the archetype of grandmothers and the the kind of Norman Rockwell rocking chair granny. Yeah. She was saying that the one of the byproducts, if you will, of coming together as grandmothers to work on a cause together and to engage in social oh, justice yes. work I mean, is it really is changing how the people around around you are seen. I think, I mean, I can remember growing up in the Boston area of Boston and people talked about little old ladies in tennis shoes and you have to watch out for them. But they were usually considered to be individual. I don't know. I mean, I, this is when I was sort of in my early teens and I wasn't noticing that much whether they were connected with an organization or not. But now I think a couple of things. One is many more women are living to be healthy later on in life than they used to be. Right. And so our active lives physically last longer and we want something to do. We want to be useful. We want to, as I say, make the world a better place. We went to Portland because Planned Parenthood was seeking to have the city pass an ordinance that they could have a a buffer zone around their entryway because there were so many protesters out there on the days when they were doing abortions. And we went to that and it was very early on in our career, but we testified at a hearing at the city council. And afterwards, one of the city councilmen said, well, I guess you don't mess with grandmothers. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. So we've kind of lived and laughed at that one too for you know. a lot of activist grandmothers that that's their experience that that is a yeah. kind of power people pay attention and actually do feel that grandmothers are forced to be reckoned with and you shouldn't mess around with them. That's right. That's right. And I think in a way that it's harder to nowadays to write off activist grandmothers than it may have been to write off women in the general. We're not bra burners. We're not. You know, we are women who have lived a lot. We have seen a lot. We know a lot. And I think that just is kind of implicit, even though there's a lot of prejudice and ageism in this country. Nevertheless, there's still vestiges of respect for older generations. People can neglect older people, but I think less apt to talk them down or insult them. You talked about individualism versus sort of collective action. How does your group work? Do you find that as grandmothers, as older women, you bring something different to the way that you work together? Yes, we do, would be my first answer. And one of the challenges that we've had, for better or for worse, has been that for the first three and a half to four years, we did not have any officers. We did not have any fundraising. Nobody wanted to do that. They all said, been there, done that. I just want to go up to the state house 
demonstrate, or I just want to write letters to the editor. I don't want to do any of that other stuff. But now that we've grown and we do need to fundraise because we can't do it as volunteers, totally. So we're looking to, to raise money. It is hard to get people to, to do that part of it. They like the other much better. And I don't sure. blame them because I do too. <laughs> sure. Asking for money is always harder. But one of the things that I've heard from Grandmothers Against Gun Violence and, and the Grandmothers Campaign is that actually once grandmothers do start fundraising, it's extraordinarily creative and very hard for people to say no when your grandmother or somebody's grandmother comes knocking at your door. We are just on the beginning of doing that. Once it happens, I think people get into it, but it's that initial step. It's like stepping into cold water. You know, it's okay when you finally get up to your neck, but it's pretty darn cold when it's getting halfway up your body still. <laughs> and, but we're also, we're really trying to design the organization so that anybody can do a little something or a lot according to what how it fits into their lives. And I mean, for example, we went to one uh, retirement community and there were people there who were quite limited in their mobility, but they loved the idea of being able to write a postcard to their state legislator and, and with their opinion on it. And we had to print up most of the message because their hands are arthritic and can't do a whole lot, but they wanted to do something. So we want to find ways that people who feel limited in their physical ability to be active can find a way to be active. And and I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of them can make phone calls and call their legislator and say, vote against this bill, that kind of thing. And they seem to like to do that. Sure. So, that yeah, it's interesting. And then there are others who are just willing to drive right up to the state house and, you know, testify and do that kind of thing, which is also really a very good thing to be able to do. I think that's yeah. one interesting thing about grandmothers coming together is that uh, to each according to her ability. And what I've found is that grandmothers are incredibly creative about ensuring that every older woman who wants to play a role has something that she can do. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And I think that's one thing that women particularly gain as they age. They become a little more tolerant. I know some become more opinionated, but an awful lot of us have mellowed a good deal because we've been sort of forced to by the world. We realize the advantage of being inclusive. And so that's that really is one of our goals is to be inclusive and to share the fact that we all have, you know, families that we care about or people that we care about. Sometimes, I mean, we have a couple of people who are not married in our group. They don't have children. I mean, they never have. And they care immensely about how younger women and men, what resources they have as they grow up in the way of healthcare. You know, our minds are stretched and our hearts are just filled with love. I think it is something that happens to many human beings, male and female, as they age, or it can. Mm-hmm. Some go harder and more conservative, but I'm looking at this quote from Gloria Steinem, and it says, women may be the only group that grows more radical with age. Mm-hmm. our case, I think it's true. You mentioned having hearts filled with love. And you know what I have heard and what I'm learning? In fact, the kind of love that grandmothers feel is a powerful motivator, and there's nothing maudlin about it. And it's something that I found grandmothers are less self-conscious to talk about love as an important part of a movement. Oh, I, I would think that it's really fundamental 
to us, especially in regard to our families, both in the sort of immediate sense, we love to pick up these little babies. They're so cute, you know, and they feel so good and brings back those early days when we ourselves were mothers. But as what a friend of mine said, we were too busy to notice in those days. We had so much that we had to do. But now we theoretically have a little more leisure and can stroke that baby's head and love the fact that our son or daughter is showing signs of being a warm and loving parent. It expands us a lot. A lot of us are really troubled by the lack of compassion amongst people who are making these laws and policies now. I mean, in a way, it goes against what we've all been learning to have more and more of as we've aged. You know, as we recognize our infirmities increasing as we age, we're also realize we've got to be more tolerant of that too. <laughs> As my mother says, getting older is not for wimps. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think that that's awfully interesting and important point about compassion. I think obviously as a generalization, it's not true for everyone who grows older, but instead of being something that makes older women and grandmothers in particular more complacent or more inward looking, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way that so many grandmothers I'm speaking to, they're not turning inward, uh, they're turning outward. They are, yeah. And I think another, another thing that's true for some women anyway is that because we are older and have multiple wrinkles, and our shapes are not as beautiful as we thought they once were, we realize that there are other things in the world that are more important. We don't have to have glorious, glossy hair. We can't, you know, <laughs> oh, that kind of thing, which preoccupied a lot of us when we were young. And, you know, it's not that we don't want to look good, but right. w- what looks good is we have a much wider framework for that nowadays. And I remember early, very early on when we were designing our yellow T-shirts, one person said, well, when we design it, we've got to think where our bumps are. <laughs> That's wonderful. Not where our bumps are. <laughs> I don't know that we made it terribly fashionable, but there's laughter about that. We're more relaxed about some of the things that were terribly important to us when we were younger. I will say that I don't know a lot about the anxiety that some women have about finances. And that's tough. I mean, I'm fortunately well taken care of, but there are women who don't have an ounce of energy to do anything but think about where's the next meal is going to come from or how they're going to pay for the medication they need. And I mean, I think that's a very troubling time. I know that our group has been supporting the oh expansion of Medicaid and that kind of thing, because not only because it expands access to contraception, et cetera, but also because it is just the health care that people, they know people need. You know, another thing that kind of does constrict some of our activities is some of us have spouses that need, need help at this age. Right. And that has also challenged some of our volunteers. That is also a challenge. And we seem to have more doctor appointments as well. There's a determination to make the best of the resources that are left to us in the way of, you know, our physical health. Mm-hmm. I think that's another part of it. We're not going to cave in. We don't want to be victims. And working with a group like this or the gun control people or the conservation people makes us feel useful still. And a lot of people really like to feel useful. And we're happier when we have a sense of purpose. Absolutely. That's a great note to end on because it's it's very much 
what motivates and powers this podcast, which is to speak to grandmothers like you who have so much to contribute and bring everything that you have to causes that you really care deeply about. And yet there is an absence in, in the public conversation about this vital role that grandmothers play. Why do you think that is? Well, I think I think a certain amount has been that because of the ageism that is in this country. You know, youth is terribly important. They're the ones who are beautiful. They're the ones who are active. And so it's not vitriol against, you know, the older generation. It's just a lack of attention. And I mean, and the advertising that we all get, you know, you've got to be young. You've got to do this. You've got to act like a young person. And I think that growing old has been kind of ignored. What do you think would change in our communities and our countries if people were really listening to grandmothers and paying attention to what they were saying? Well, I, I think for one thing, if they really did, it would broaden their vision and understanding of the world. And the rigid ideology that some people have uh, might soften. And that would be one of my hopes, because I think that's gotten us into a lot of trouble is that so much of what people are talking about now on the conservative side really does not relate to the actual living situations of people. They have an ideology, which is wonderful, uh, you know, for them, but it neglects how people's lives play out. And it's easy to do that when you're young, but if you're ignoring the voices of life experiences, both from men and women, you miss a lot. I mean, I think that if women were more in the public world, we'd also have a different perspective on how things are created because women are often the ones who live out the lives with the policies that the government decides are going to be this, that, or the other. They're the ones finally at the end who are affected. And if we grandmothers who've lived through all these years, if our voices were heard, and I hope they're being heard, you know, you don't mess with grandmothers. And when grandmothers speak out, you got to listen. I think that's coming along with all the younger women who are now speaking out much more. And by younger, I mean anything under 80 is young. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that. I love that. And I do think that increasingly grandmothers' voices are being heard and women like you are moving that forward. And I thank you for it. It's really wonderful to hear what you're doing, Judy. Well, thank you for getting in touch with us. It's fun. We laugh a good deal when we're together because you can make all kinds of funny jokes about sexuality. (laughs) But at the same time, our work is very serious because we know that it affects, I mean, reproductive health affects the very core of every family. And and, uh, that's important to us. This is so lovely, Judy. Thank you so much. It it really was tremendous. Okay. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.